Chapters four and five of Philomène's Marriages by Henri Greville, translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter four An Old Suitor. Two letters. Who could have written to her, unless it were her notary? But he had written to her the day before to announce to her the happy success of her negotiations. Philomène looked at the two letters for a long while weighed them in her hand smelt of them carefully and at last began with the lighter and less elegant-looking one it was from a parisian debtor who being informed that she was charged with the recovery of the credits of her husband's heritage wrote to announce to her that the state of his affairs would not permit him to pay her immediately that besides her credit had not been proved in a proper manner and that finally he should carry the affair before a council of referees philomene knit her eyebrows that were as white as those of an albino put the letter in the envelope and the envelope in a drawer and mentally sent the debtor to the devil after that operation the widow crepin turned to the second envelope that remained on the corner of the bureau and looked at it askantly was it also this stupid letter going to bring her some disagreeable news and thus spoil the pleasure of such a beautiful day this mysterious epistle had however rather a pleasing air the paper was handsome and heavy and besides it did not come from paris after a short moment's hesitation madame crepin tore the envelope why do they put gum even into the most ignored corners of envelopes why is it that one can never open them till after a deadly struggle is it so necessary that manufacturers should condemn one to a bodily combat with that unseizable and soft enemy which we call a sheet of lined paper a combat where one's teeth are often and as last resource the instrument of slaughter it is a question which we lay before the jury for prizes at the exposition in order that it may decide whether the secrecy of correspondence is better guarded by such violent measures than by a simple seal after having made every effort to open the letters she held in her hand philomene went in a very bad humour to her work-box armed herself with a pair of scissors and thrust in their points and as generally happens in such cases she cut the sheet of paper in two which at last she drew forth glorious but mutilated from its protecting sheath then madame crepin sent to the devil probably to keep the parisian debtor company who perhaps found it lonely there the scissors-maker the envelope-seller and the person who had written to her after which she looked at the signature marie verroy it was marie her cousin from granville who had written to her after five or six years of absolute silence philomene thought she must desire to borrow money from her and put on her most severe expression just as if the young woman were opposite to her in person gradually her face smoothed itself out as much as it was in its power to do not any more though nevertheless and she ended in really smiling when she came to the signature marie remembered her and recalled to her some pleasant days passed together formerly sometimes at granville sometimes at dielette when their parents made each other their annual visits and asked if she could not find for her in her vicinity one or two rooms for a few days they were making an excursion along the coast and would like to stop about a week at that pretty little miniature seaport but certainly certainly philomene answered out loud the room is already found the one i have on the first floor and you can stay here my dear cousin as long as it seems pleasant to you the joy and glory of having charles verroy in her house a celebrated man a novelist whose works were displayed in the windows of booksellers at cherbourg at coutances and even elsewhere made philomene insensible to the expense she immediately appreciated what this honour was going to cost her she would be obliged to have two meals a day with meat and vegetables a few fowls philomene raised some in the small courtyard preceding her garden a little fish 
and the captain's wine would receive rather a rude assault yes but all diellette would be aware that she sheltered the celebrated verrois her cousin and then a kindness is never lost and that is why one should have a generous soul philomene took a chair and drew towards her the captain's travelling inkstand it was a heavy machine with a spring cover that went off sometimes by itself in the middle of the night causing the large grey cat sleeping in the chimney-place frights that were as sudden as inexplicable black streaks all around it proved unmistakably that rust had not always respected it however philomene experienced a worthy pleasure in writing from the captain's inkstand it was one of the things that gave her importance in her own eyes she wrote on paper with a wide black border she had never been able to find a border sufficiently wide and if one had listened to her it would have been necessary to have manufactured some especially for her with a thickness two fingers and a half wide in her eyes it was an elegance that constituted luxury as understood by fashionable people she wrote therefore on very correct paper and her legible flowing writing soon covered the first page not without a slight tendency towards climbing heavenward but philomene had such high aspirations my dear cousin wrote madame crepin your letter gave me great pleasure proving to me that you had not forgotten me nor have i either forgotten you i have thought of you constantly you know doubtless about my sorrows and of my poor husband's death captain crepin left me in a very sad position in spite of that my here philomene wrote the word poverty then she stopped to reflect it did not enter into her plans that they should think her poor so she artistically effaced the word poverty with the end of her little finger which made on the fine paper bordered with black a very ugly greyish spot but the widow's aesthetical ideas did not go so far as to blame this summary infantine procedure of erasing a displeasing expression instead of poverty she put modest circumstances and continued does not prevent me from offering you the little i possess you my dear marie and also my cousin charles will find in my home a very simple hospitality but offered with a warm heart and i hope you will find yourself sufficiently pleased to remain a much longer time than you have at present the intention of doing this epistle finished not without one or two little blots that madame crepin made likewise disappear with the end of her finger which gave them the appearance of long-haired comets thrown out in a shadow on a light sky the widow re-read it examining with care whether some malicious fault in spelling had not glided in among the difficult words there were in truth one or two but they escaped her investigation and the post carried them off the next day towards granville together with many others of like calibre on the afternoon of this memorable day philomene went out to take the air all that diellette held that was nice was walking on the beach admiring one of the most beautiful sunsets that could be seen the sea blue as the mediterranean furled gently with pretty foam-like fringes over the impalpable fine sands the sun disappeared gradually in a light cloud of golden vapour and the english islands were thrown out in the distance violet-coloured on the gilded or as one might say incandescent sea and sky the white cliffs of origny arose opposite and seemed quite near the bay of auville that incomparable bay shut in by two magnificent promontories has but one fault which is a merit that of being unknown when the day comes that tourists shall have invaded it it will be perfect and insupportable like all celebrated places the inhabitants of diellette are blasés in regard to the magnificence of their sunsets and we have never heard it said that the place has given birth to a painter talk after that of the preponderant influence of natural beauty on the artistic development of a people however the sweetness of the evening the beauty of the spectacle had touched the most surly and all 
even a former mate who since his retirement invariably turned his back to this sea which he despised on account of its tranquil waters after so many stormy campaigns all looked towards the west attracted in spite of themselves by so much brilliancy and such an intense display of splendour madame philomene went like the others on the beach clad in the lilac insignias of her new situation and stopped here and there to exchange a good evening with different persons it is proper to say here that in spite of her ambition and its momentary realization madame crepin had never been admitted into what formed the nucleus of fashionable society in the maritime village her origin was not the cause of this restriction but rather the dear lady's haughty airs when first married she desired to be first among the first but to achieve that she would have been obliged to have taken some one's place now the first held to their rank which was natural and philomene who with more patience might have insinuated herself adroitly towards the goal of her desires found herself repulsed with that cold politeness that makes one feel so sensibly the distance between the great ones of this world and simple mortals like philomene you or i madame aubier who was in the best society did not make herself so exclusive and madame crepin had free access to her house however to her grand dinners she was not often invited only when they found themselves thirteen in order to be the fourteenth or else when some great personage declined and they were only eleven twelve being such a sacred number that the mistress of a house cannot receive eleven guests to do so the arrangement of the repast would be totally destroyed philomene stopped by madame aubier turning her back to the ocean for all those who were walking there presented it their faces she planted herself before the good lady after the preliminary parleyings she went straight to her point full of glory and puffed up with pride i shall have some people staying with me the coming week said she with an assured tone relations from the country asked madame aubier innocently some parisians this response was pronounced with the modesty of a collegian talking of his success with women two curious persons approached parisians i think even now not many are met with that dialette in the course of a year but at that time it was a thoroughly extraordinary event enchanted at the little effect she had produced madame crepin continued without being able to contain the exuberance of her joy the celebrated novelist charles verrois my cousin and his wife are to pass a week with me they opened their eyes wide the name of verrois had not penetrated very far into the bosom of this people of whom the most part ignored victor hugo's name and never imagined that at that very moment the poet in his land of exile opposite to them was perhaps contemplating france gilded by the rays of the setting sun but verrois was a celebrated novelist philomene declared it and that extraordinary man was coming to dielette some opened their eyes enormously others sceptical by nature shrugged their shoulders murmuring there is philomene bragging again madame aubier who was always indulgent and always practical received this astonishing news with calmness and after a second's meditation where will you lodge them philomene said she at my house in the room i have on the first floor they are sensible people my dear madame aubier they are reasonable enough to understand i cannot offer them a palace and to be contented with the little i possess madame crepin had at her service about a half-dozen analogous phrases all relating to her modest position she must have gleaned them from novels which form the foundation of her reading for related to a man of letters she prided herself on being literary and even imperturbably held rightfully or wrongfully criticising opinions on works that had had the unhappiness of displeasing her 
these phrases were known to the entire village from its having heard them a thousand times and at that place in the conversation two ladies maliciously pushed each other's elbows in exchanging the quarter of a smile but madame crepin did not see them madame lavenel called madame aubier the old woman who was passing turned towards the group her head dressed in the normand coif which has now fallen into such desuetude and is replaced by a small working woman's cap which is far from equalling it either in picturesqueness or elegance but seeing philomene madame lavenel approached slowly here is our neighbor who is going to throw herself among great people said madame aubier smiling faintly fancy she is going to receive some parisians she is mistress to receive whom she likes answered the old woman her cunning eye scrutinized the face of her whom some day or other she thought to have as a daughter-in-law but philomene swallowed her pride with so modest an air that she could draw no inference from her examination lavenel joined his mother unaffectedly and the neighbors continued to walk slowly along the road insensibly philomene and her admirer found themselves walking in front at a short distance from the others you are going to have some pleasure distraction madame crepin said the grain and flour merchant dressed in his sunday best clad in a brown overcoat and a high hat that did not embellish him madame crepin sighed i have not stolen a little distraction she answered after so much sorrow humph said lavenel from the depths of his low and rather thick voice ah madame crepin the best distraction always is the society of a good husband ah that is very true moaned the cunning gossip when my poor crepin was alive i knew no greater satisfaction than to have him with me the devil take all widows lavenel thought they have a rage for talking to one of their dead husbands then he continued out loud forget that sad past madame crepin and then in other times when we were a girl and boy we called each other by our first names during your husband's lifetime i lost the habit of so doing but why should we not take it up again now when it cannot shock any one madame crepin not answering her lover waxed bolder listen philomene said he philomene had passed his lips like a letter thrown in a letter-box and he continued in a tenderer tone it is no use to ruminate over what no longer exists it is better to put something else in its place you said no to me but it is not no it is perhaps well you must say yes and make yourself a pleasant existence you told me your affairs were not arranged with the late captain's family the late captain's widow not replying he finished his phrase you must trust me with all that and it will not last long that is to be seen neighbor answered the lady of his thoughts perhaps they will decide to let me have what they owe me you wish me to believe that thought lavenel fortunately the underclerk has spoken sly jade philomene he went on out loud i have sought you for a long while i asked you to marry me nearly twenty years ago you would not have me if you think you have grown handsomer since then thought the widow you are greatly mistaken and i-i have always wanted you ended the emboldened bachelor my mother has tormented me times enough to make me marry she has been to see brunettes and blondes enough so as to induce me to marry them but i had only thought for you bad one and i did not wish any one else so long as the captain lived i resigned myself to it all because you see it is not worth while to make oneself unhappy about what one cannot obtain but when i saw you a widow then i said to my mother that i did not wish any other wife than you and she answered me 
well my boy if it is philomene you want you must take her on condition that she wishes it rectified the widow crepin i will end by winning you the grain merchant answered insidiously besides i am not a match beneath you as far as fortune goes one makes a great deal by selling hay and bran i have fifty thousand francs in trade and a pretty roan mare i don't like roan horses replied philomene with a dreamy air philomene was not wrong for roan horses spotted with brown and white are not esteemed in the market on account of their coat we can change it if it is only that said lavenel with a conciliatory air there is something else answered the widow what then that i do not wish to marry again with no one with no one for the present but i may change when do you think you will have made your fortune lavenel why in ten years if you will give me your money added he parenthetically in the profoundest depth of his mind that is what is called a mental reservation and thanks to this simple reservation people who are in good favour with heaven can tell without lying the greatest falsehoods in the world at least that is what we are commanded to believe under pain of eternal fire perhaps lavenel did not believe enormously in fire eternal but he had a blind faith in the utility of mental reservations in what concerns the affairs of this world well said philomene we will see when you have made your fortune lavenel was as prudent as an old cat yet he could not help bounding at this and the incongruous gesture drew upon him the attention of several dieletois who were little accustomed to see him indulge in choreography in public he calmed himself at once and resumed the peaceful pace of an honest tradesman taking a walk thanks to sunday's repose ten years philomene you are making fun of me but my dear in ten years i shall be fifty and you i am not rude enough to mention a woman's age but the devil we made our first communion together and that's not a few years ago do you wish us to make people laugh well lavenel said the widow in a soft voice don't let us marry ah heavens it is not i who ask it bang said the flower merchant to himself overcome by the falling in of the edifice reared with such trouble since ten minutes well good evening then said he out loud raising his hand to his hat will you not take me as far as my home asked the village silly men with the most distant air in the world lavenel who was stupefied put his hat on his head again and docilely followed philomene to her door every one was still on the jetty the dogs alone who were lying on their master's thresholds animated the deserted place will you allow me to kiss you politely said the flower merchant removing his hat entirely for all answer philomene tendered him one after the other her two cheeks with their prominent cheekbones deeply coloured and received on each a resounding kiss that made two or three dogs more nervous than the others apparently raise their heads good evening neighbour said the widow entering her house good evening neighbour answered lavenel he took two steps and having reflected he thus expressed always mentally the result of his meditation i am in for what i have said may the devil take her chapter v the parisian and her cousin the following thursday an odd carriage a combination of jaunting car cabriolet and simple cart deposited monsieur and madame verroy before madame crepin's house the entire village either visible on the square or invisible behind window curtains assisted at this debarkation 
they saw with pleasure that the parisian was much prettier than her cousin and with regret that she wore a very simple black dress without trimmings exactly like a person of the place the simplicity of her attire and the small volume of her luggage determined the assistants to disperse especially as it was necessary to relate the event to those who less fortunate had not been witness of it madame verroy overthrew all established ideas in regard to feminine appearance in relation to character for instance a fat person is infallibly as gay as a greenfinch a dark tall person with regular features is noble and serious or else melancholy or else withered and sour endeavour to affirm the contrary and you will see how you will be treated by your readers marie verroy through a spirit of contradiction doubtless was tall and slender a brunette handsome rather than pretty and with this of an unfailing gaiety this gaiety that shone forth amidst all storms was her principal attraction and better than any one her husband knew what merit marie possessed in offering to all and continually her kind face and infectious laugh as soon as they had alighted from their extraordinary vehicle the only one they had been able to find and when this mysterious wheelbarrow had taken the road towards its home with inclining ways that must have caused frightful fear to the passers-by the newly arrived persons were conducted by philomene into a small whitewashed room furnished with a bed a table and two chairs but in spite of this simplicity very pleasing thanks to some geraniums of a splendid red colour that were placed on the window-sill behold all i possess said philomene showing some ugly teeth that the brush rarely disturbed in their quietude i am poor my friends and can only offer you a poor abode but we will be very well off here exclaimed marie if only you will have the goodness to increase our ration of water for what there is there will not be sufficient to wash our hands madame crepin looked with an astonished air at the miniature pitcher in the middle of its bowl that was smaller still what a singular fancy to ask for so much water was it to drink she could offer them cider in preference for hers was of a good growth she did not fear to say so no my good friend answered marie laughing it is not to drink and cider would not be what we wish a good large jug of fresh water that is what we need for the moment philomene who made her toilette by dipping the end of a towel in the pitcher which she afterwards passed lightly over her face said to herself that her dear cousin was a trouble-maker but without any other objection she brought the jug that contained her daily supply thanks said the young woman to her and now in five minutes we will be at your disposition madame crepin disappeared and the husband and wife remaining alone looked with the same impulse at the washstand then raising their eyes to each other they burst out laughing together why do you laugh asked marie charles pointed at the bowl and the jug and without saying a word passed the corner of his pocket-handkerchief around his face it is the usual procedure here it seems it is summary and not expensive evil speaker his wife answered him you will do well not to make our cousin wait especially as she has not an obliging look she has not grown prettier since ten years what could you expect my dear age and sorrows five minutes after they were in effect seated at madame crepin's table it was a round table or rather a stand on which it was extremely dangerous to place anything except in the middle for the lightest weight made it infallibly tip over it is not known why this piece of furniture that is unserviceable on account of its inconvenience should be in high favour among the small provincial bourgeoisie the dinner was good even very good the defunct captain's wine made its appearance at dessert with some cherries sent by lavenelle this latter not knowing from which side the wind would blow wished to win over the travellers and in truth the fruit was duly praised and the name of their owner passed philomene's lips 
ah but your neighbour is gallant said marie returning to the cherries philomene lowered her eyes seeing she did not reply madame verroy looked at her the dear soul would have much liked to have blushed but one does not blush at will however her embarrassment could not have failed to put out a blind man's eyes as charles said has he any intentions asked the latter smiling ah cousin after so many sorrows you do not suppose that i could think you no cousin but this gentleman perhaps has not had sorrows what is more natural then than that he should think of preparing some for himself oh cousin philomene put her handkerchief to her eyes but certainly cousin one prepares sorrows for oneself when one loves some one who does not care for one and since you do not care for him he is not what i want said philomene with a dignified air if i could ever think of marrying again it would not be a grain merchant who could make me forget the captain ah it would not be a grain merchant repeated charles incapable of containing the maliciousness that irritated him his social position is not high enough his wife gave him a warning blow under the table that nearly disturbed the equilibrium of the dessert but philomene just then was not disposed to understand his raillery no said she if ever i should change my name i owe it to my late husband not to descend below my present rank she rose to serve the coffee and turned her back on them with so much dignity that charles followed her with a respectful look that was full of admiration his wife tried to look out of the window and to calm a fit of uncontrollable laughter that shook her inwardly philomene returned with a waiter loaded with cups certainly said she continuing her thought it would not be worth while to have been the wife of a merchant captain to wed a simple tradesman and then besides i always detested trade but insinuated marie who had regained her calmness somewhat if the tradesman pleased you oh marie after so many sorrows can you believe that any other man than my husband could ever be anything to me no no cousin charles hastened to reply we do not believe it we have misunderstood is he a handsome fellow this gentleman of the cherries he is not bad but the captain was much better lavenel has straight hair and he wears his beard under his chin which is ugly charles contemplated philomene with a growing admiration for all his wife pulled him by the sleeve he did not take his eyes off her madame verroy succeeded in turning the conversation and asked to take a walk philomene led them everywhere that one could go on dry land and brought them home so fatigued that they went to bed without supper before closing his eyes verroy could not help saying to his wife our cousin is superb she will be married before three months she is a type leave her alone answered good marie it is not nice to make fun of her does she not do everything to please us but i am very well off here and i thank her for her hospitality only she will marry her flower merchant i do not believe it said marie why i don't know but i do not believe she will marry him well then she will marry another as for that it is very possible she would do better not to pretend to the contrary charles my dear said his wife to him you think yourself at paris don't forget that we are in normandy End of chapters four and five